guys, we are still in our Family Sunday series right now. We have been looking at the chapter 11 of Hebrews, where we're looking at the lives of men and women who were just regular people like you and me, but they lived lives of faith. And because they did that, God did some awesome things in and through them. And so far, we have looked at Noah, we have looked at Abraham and Sarah, we have looked at Abraham and Isaac, and last week... We looked at, can anybody tell me? Moses' parents, exactly. And we got to do the quiz on that to see how well you remembered your uh, story on Moses' parents. So we'll start over here in this section, and I'm primarily picking on kids. If kids, if you can get it, then you get first dibs. Uh, Raise your hand if you know the answer, okay? First question is this. I'm going to be asking this every week, and I'm going to be taking more and more words away from it. So the final week is just going to be empty, and you're going to have to get it, okay? First question, what is the definition of faith that we are using for this series? See, you didn't even need to look at it, did you? You know it, man. Great job. Here's three. Awesome. Okay, this section right here. Is there any kids in this section? All right, there we go. Okay, what did the law of Egypt say to do when you had a baby boy? Do you remember? They had to throw them into the Nile River. Great job. That's awesome. Great answer. Okay, this section right here. What does the Bible say is the reason why Moses' parents saved him? There in the back. Because he was beautiful, yep, that answer is correct. Any other answers sound correct there in the front? All the above. I liked how you did that nice and slow and emphatic. Very good job. All right. Yeah, all three, all three of those answers are correct. Okay, this section, this is kind of an easy question, but I wanted to ask it. What pastor had the cutest baby picture? You better answer right, okay? Mia. I'll give you candy, but that's a wrong answer. What did you say? Say it louder. You. Very good, Pastor Luke. You know, that's that special dark stuff, sorry. There you go. That's right. That was pretty obvious, I thought, but... Okay, last question. These two fill-in-the-blanks. People living by faith pay attention to how our... Man, my eyes are bad. How our blank God affects the blank world, and then they act with him. Anybody? Very good. Awesome, Andrea. Great job. Okay, ready to whip candy at you. Front row. Luker, don't act all coy. I know you want one. All right, way in the back. Okay, this section here. Sorry, did I hit somebody? All right, here we go. I shouldn't laugh at that, I'm sorry. All right, way in the back. These are miniature candy bar guys. They're, they're flying projectiles. Here, over there. There you go, Hunter. Brian. Okay. Newlyweds, you guys need candy. Here you go. Oh, yeah. All right, there in the middle. And way in the back, you guys ready? 
Get your hands up. That didn't make it to the back. I'm going to try it again. I think I hit the light bulb. Oh, well. All right. Fruits and veggies? When we become an organic church, that's what we're going to do, but until then, it's candy. All right, well, last week we talked about Moses' parents, and this week we're going to talk about Moses himself. And like I said, um, last week we're going to just carry on from what we talked about last week and continue on the story, and you're going to see how awesome this story really is and how God worked here. It's really amazing. Now remember, Moses' parents were hiding little baby Moses so that nobody would come and take him and throw him into where? The Nile River, exactly. And so they were working hard to hide this little baby. Well, let's see what what else happens in the story. We're going to start at the very end of verse 2, chapter 2 of Exodus. This is where the story is found in the Bible. She hid him for three months. Now that she is Moses' mom. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. Now let's just stop there for a second. And let's just look at this. It says Moses' mother hid him for three months. Now, both mom and dad were involved with this, but you got to remember, mom or dad was probably working where? As a slave, exactly. He was being forced into slavery. So he was gone all day doing slave work while the mom was home trying to hide this little baby. Well, notice it says that she hid him for three months, but when she could hide him no longer, she had to do something else. Now, let me ask you guys, and anybody can answer this, why do you think she could only hide him for three months? (coughs) There in the back. Because he whined louder. That's a good answer. We'll talk about that. What do you think? He got a lot bigger. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. Right there. What did you, that looks like it's going to be a good answer. What? Say it louder. Yeah, you. Sorry. Ooh, that could be. Yeah, never know. Let, let's kind of talk about that for a second. Somebody in the back said, because he whined louder. Let me, what do you guys, have you ever heard a newborn cry? I'm not going to say it's cute, but it's almost cute. It's like, I remember when I had my first little baby girl, and I'm holding her, and I didn't know, you know, I thought, you know, I knew babies cried, but when I'm crying, I'm like, Shauna, this ain't too bad. You know, I think I can deal with this. This isn't bad. But what happens at three months? They get lungs. And these little suckers can belt it out at that point. And it gets so loud and so piercing that guess what we dads like to do with our crying babies? Honey, I think they need to eat. And we, you know, we pass them off. So Moses, at three months, I'm sure he was not just a little, I mean, he was probably belting it out, and he was a lot harder to hide. 
Not only that, newborns, what do they do all the time? They sleep. Yeah, they love to sleep. I remember when I was holding my first little baby girl, and I'm, I'm thinking, man, she just doesn't do anything. She just sits here and sleeps. And I loved looking at everything, but I'm like, Shauna, is she ever going to wake up? I mean, they just never wake. They're always sleeping. Well, at three months, they start to get a little bit more alert and they start to get, you know, open their eyes. And therefore, if something ticks them off, they will cry and they have a loud cry. So needless to say, there came a point where they could not hide this baby any longer. It was just getting too dangerous and, and there's no way they could hide that cry and the baby was getting bigger. So mom came up with a, an idea. She got a basket, and she put tar all around this basket so that it could float in the water. Now, tell me, kids, who else put tar on the outside of something? Noah, Noah exactly. Remember on the ark, he put pitch and tar all on the outside of the ark so that it would float. Well, that's what Moses' mom does. She puts it all on the outside of the basket, and she put baby Moses into the basket, and she put the basket in the water. And she puts him alongside the Nile River in the reeds. Now, this kind of takes care of having to hide him in the house, but there's suddenly there's another issue. When you have a baby in a basket in the water next to the Nile River... What should you be a little concerned of? Yeah, not alligators in Africa. What are they? Crocodiles, exactly. Here's a picture of the crocodiles that live beside the Nile River. They're huge. Now, I grew up in South America, and we didn't have crocodiles. We had alligators. <coughs> not sure what the difference is. They have big teeth, and they bite. So, you know, they're all dangerous. But we used to hunt them. And it was, it was a lot of fun. We would get in a canoe, and at night you would shine a flashlight, and they have these two little red eyes, and they'd be, you know, looking at the water, and you'd shine a flashlight, and they would just like, and they wouldn't look away. So you could paddle the canoe in, you know, real slowly and quietly, and a guy would be in the, in the canoe with a harpoon, and when you get right up on it, you'd shove the harpoon, and you'd hang on, on it, thrash around, and, you know, finally after a while, you'd lift it and put it into the, into the canoe, and the mouth would be slapping around, and you'd have to, you know, eventually kill it. Um, crazy exciting, a lot of fun. You had to watch your fingers. But I remember, there was this one missionary, and this has nothing to do with the story, but I like telling the story. This one missionary, his name was Smiley Johnson, which I think is a pretty cool name. But before he became a missionary, he was actually an alligator wrestler. And so he was out, I wasn't with him at the time, they were out uh, alligator hunting, and it was one night, and they got this big, huge six-footer. And they're, you know, thrashing, hanging on it, thrashing around, and all of a sudden, it came loose off the harpoon. So guess what Smiley did? Dives in, did the whole Crocodile Dundee sort of thing, pulls his knife out, dives into the water, and he's wrestling and stabbing the thing, and ends up killing the alligator, throws it back into the boat, and they got it. Isn't that awesome? Like I said, this has nothing to do with Moses. But, you know, he's a little baby on the side of the Nile River, and there's crocodiles all over. This is, this is also really scary. Now, we don't know what Moses' mom did. Scripture does not tell us. I can imagine, you know, she came and put little baby Moses, you know, she was probably holding him, and there's probably tears, she's probably crying, and she's probably... You know, just kissing him on his cute little nose and his little cheeks and lips and saying, Moses, I love you so much, son. 
I love you so much. And I'm sure she prayed for him and asked God to protect them. And she probably gave him one last little kiss and put him into the basket, put the lid on him. And I don't know how long she would have stayed there, but she probably walked away begging God to protect her son. Scripture doesn't tell us how that all went down. But Scripture does tell us one unique detail. In verse 4, it says, His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Now, like I said, I don't know if mom just walked away and the sister stayed back, or if she said, you know, Miriam, can you stay here and kind of watch the baby? We don't know. But whatever it is, she stays back and she wants to see what's going to happen to her little baby brother. You know, is a crocodile going to eat her baby brother? Is a soldier going to hear him crying and throw him into the Nile? Is, you know, the current going to take him, you know, the basket and wash him downstream? What's going to happen? Well, if you don't know what happens in this story, you will never guess how it all comes out. Let's look at what happens here. Verse 5. Then, this is after the mom walks away, Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe. And her attendants were walking along the riverbank, and she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to go get it. She opened it and saw the baby, and he was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Guys, isn't this incredible? I mean, look at this. Pharaoh's daughter... The daughter to this big bad dude who we've been talking about, this evil Pharaoh, is walking down the Nile. She must have been really stinky and smelling bad and said, I need to take a shower, I need to take a bath, so let's go down to the Nile and take a bath. And they're walking along, and on the side of the Nile, they see this little basket, and she's like, tells her slave girl, go get that little basket. So they bring it back to her, and they open the lid, and there's this little beautiful little baby boy, and he's crying. And tell me, what happened to Pharaoh's daughter's heart when she saw that little baby? She felt sorry for him. She's looking at this little baby and she felt sorry for it. And you know, there is something about a crying little baby, a helpless crying little baby that kind of taps into your heart, especially for you women. You know what I'm saying? Men, not so much, but... I mean, look at these pictures. See, all you women are going, oh. The men are going, thank goodness there's no audio on this. This is. But it is. A baby will cry, and, and, and women are like, oh, what's wrong with us? You know, and you, you feel bad for it. Men are just like, take them away. Well, this is what's happening. Pharaoh's daughter sees this little baby, and and she just feels sorry for it. And she realizes that this little baby was one of the Israelite babies, the one that's supposed to be killed. And and, and her heart melts for it, and she sees that he's a member. He's a beautiful child. She has to do something. Well, guess who comes to the rescue, kids? Miriam, Moses' sister. Let's look at this. Verse 7, Then his sister... Asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. Here's Moses' sister. She's watching from a distance, you know, hiding in the bushes, watching. And she sees Pharaoh's daughter come up and they grab the basket and she's like, oh my word, oh no, what's going to happen? She's probably just going to toss the baby into the Nile. Well, that doesn't happen. 
Pharaoh's daughter probably picks up the baby and it's crying. She's holding it and she can see that she's falling in love with the baby. Who knows, maybe she'll want to keep this baby, but she needs to feed this baby and Pharaoh's daughter can't do it. So she decides to come up with an idea and she runs to Pharaoh's daughter and she says this. She says, do you want me to find someone who will nurse the baby for you? I can do that if you want me to. And Pharaoh's daughter says, yes, please go. That would be awesome. Go find someone who can feed the baby. Well, guess where Miriam went? To get Moses' mother. Her mom, she runs home. She's like, mom, Pharaoh's daughter's got Moses or got the little baby. And she needs someone to nurse it. Can you come out and do it? So Moses' mom runs out there. And sure enough, she's holding you know, her baby. And she walks up. And look at what Pharaoh's daughter tells her. Pay attention to this. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby... And nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. Do you see what just happened, Whitestone? Isn't this amazing? I mean, Moses' parents have been hiding this little baby boy for three months, terrified that somebody would find him. So in desperation, they take him, put him in a little basket, they shove him in, you know, on the side of the Nile River in all these reeds, and they're just like, Lord, please, you know, protect our little baby boy. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh's own daughter comes, finds him, and she talks to Moses' mother and says, hey, I want you to take care of this boy who happens to be her own boy. And guess what? Not only am I asking you to take care of it, what else? I'll pay you for it. I want a show of hands this morning. How many mothers have gotten paid to take care of your own kid? Yeah, I didn't think so. This may be the only one in history. But isn't that amazing how God orchestrated that? Our unseen God was at work. Amen? So that's what Moses' mom did. She took him home, and she nursed him, and she took care of him, and she got paid to do it for her own son. Now, I don't really know how long that lasted. Scripture does not tell us, but at some point, that arrangement ended. Let's keep reading verse 10. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. At some point in Moses' life, Moses' real mom takes her to Pharaoh's Pharaoh's daughter. Yeah, Pharaoh's daughter. And he becomes her son. He gets adopted into Pharaoh's royal family. And tell me, who who actually named Moses? Pharaoh's daughter. Kind of an interesting fact, isn't it? Pharaoh's daughter is the one who actually named Moses. And named him Moses because it says she drew him out of the water. That must be what it means. So here Moses is suddenly leaving his slave family and he's going to live in the royal family's house. And can you picture the vast difference between these two things? What do you think slaves live in? Do you think they live in pretty fancy houses? No, probably not, huh? And you want to know why? Because the the man of the house is is having to be forced into slave labor all day long, just being beaten and whipped and forced. And when he comes back to the home that night, he's probably so tired, he can't work on the house. Plus, he doesn't get any money as being a slave laborer. So he, he doesn't have any money to fix up his house. So they probably lived in some very simple little little house. 
But Moses suddenly gets taken from that, and he gets to live, where do you think? In a what? In a pretty fancy Egyptian mansion. It had to have been beautiful. This is where Pharaoh's family lived. There was probably gold walls and and pools and and slaves were cleaning it and fixing it and building new stuff. I mean, it was just probably this gorgeous, gorgeous place that Moses suddenly got to live in. And imagine Moses probably growing up with his little boy with his real parents. They probably didn't have a ton of great food. They probably had some fruits and veggies and, and they might have had a little garden or, and some meat because they might have had some animals. But they didn't have a lot. But suddenly he's taken to the Egyptian mansion and he's probably being given food that's like this gigantic, huge buffet. Because this is the king we're talking about. How many of you kids have ever been to Golden Corral? Yeah, they're right. Parents, take your kids to Golden Corral for love. Do a little Bible lesson. Say, they, this is for like Moses. I mean, it is the sweetest little buffet there is out there in the area. But that's had to have been what it was like. It would have been like a buffet of food. Why? Because he's in the royal family. Guys, think about it. He would have had the best nutrition, the best of everything, the best clothing, the best education, the best medical care, everything. Why? Because he was part of the Egyptian royal family. Now, let me ask you guys, how many of you would love to grow up like this? Wouldn't that be awesome? Come on, don't play all, like, humble to me. Wouldn't that be great? It'd be awesome. I mean, you wake up in the morning and somebody's got breakfast. Here you go, sir. You know, here. Do you know have your little breakfast, and you'd eat breakfast, and you'd get up, and be, people would put robe on you, like, I want to go swimming, so they'd carry you out to the swimming pool, and you'd swim, they'd rub oil on your back. I mean, that'd be awesome. Now, that's what Moses probably grew up with. But you know what, guys? There came a point when Moses grew up, and he became an adult. And you know, at that point, he had to make a choice. And I'm not going to go into all the stories of what happened to Moses and how it all went down. You can read that. Keep reading Exodus chapter 2 and the rest of Exodus. But there came a point where Moses had to choose. And guess what he chose? Let's look at Hebrews 11. It tells us, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, if he's refusing to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, what is he choosing to step out of? He's choosing to step out of the royal family. He's choosing to separate himself from his Egyptian, you know, family. He's choosing to reject his his part of being part of the Egyptian world, and he wants to be part of the Israelite world. Now, there's a reason why he did that. He was, remember, we see here that he did this by faith. How was he showing faith? Here's how he was showing faith. He was showing faith because he was rejecting this to go and follow his unseen God. 
Because, yeah, he could have had this cushy little life. It could have been amazing. He could have had fancy little, you know, bed and clothes and all that sort of stuff. But he was, by choosing to reject this, he was rejecting the Egyptian gods and choosing to follow the one true God. Yahweh is his name. And you know what? If he was going to choose the Egyptian life, then that means he would have to reject the unseen God of Israel. And for Moses, that wasn't worth it for him. Now, why did he do that? Why did he make that choice? Well, Hebrews tells us, it says, he chose to make that choice because he knew that the pleasures of sin are very temporary. They only last a short time. And to him, it just wasn't worth it. Moses was living with an eternal view. What I mean by that, he was looking for when life was over on this earth. Yes, this this earthly life in Egypt might have been filled with all this nice stuff and fancy shirts and fancy pants and a cushy bed to sleep in and Twinkies and crab cakes and all that sort of stuff that he could have had. Yes, his earthly life might have been an easy, nice life. But tell me, kids, what happens when you come to the end of your life? You what? You die. You die. And when you die... You face the rest of eternity. The rest of eternity either being with God or without God. And depending if you choose Him in this life or not will depend on whether you live with Him or not in eternity. You see, Moses' eyes were set on an eternal view. He was focusing on eternity. And he was living by faith. And guys, here's what I want you to get from today. There's only one point I want you to get. Boys and girls, men and women, listen to this. People who live by faith always keep eternity in mind. Amen? They always keep eternity in mind. They don't focus just on the present. They focus on eternity. One way to look at that, for kids, I know that word eternity is hard for us to get our heads around, but what I'm trying to say is that Moses was looking at the long run. He was looking at what would happen a long time from now. And he knew that if he made a decision now, the right choice, it would impact him a long way down the road. Yeah, he could choose to do this, but it only lasts a short while. But he was looking for the long ones. Like this, let's, let's say that, how many of, of us like candy? And let's say that, you know, I offered you this candy, you could eat candy for the next month at every meal, as much as you want. I'll provide it for you. Some of us might go, sweet daddy, I'm in. This is cool. I love candy. I want candy. I need candy. And, I, and you would just eat the candy. But let me ask you something. If you choose this, it might taste good right at the present, but what's going to happen to you? What are you going to do? You're going to get sick. You're going to get fat. You're going to get cavities. You're going to get stomach aches. You're going to get... Yeah, your body is going to eventually go, 
I can't run on this. Yeah, I know you like it, but I need real nutrition. And you see, you know, we might reject these things, but if you choose to eat vegetables now, and you choose to eat these for your meal, guess what? It might not taste the best, like candy, but in the long run, it's going to be what's best for your body. And your body's going to grow up healthy, and it's going to go, thank you for eating this, because now I can be strong. Now I can be healthy. Now I can be skinny. Now I can run harder, run faster. I can, you know, lift more. I'm stronger, because you've made the right choice. You see, guys, the point is, is a lot of us, we live for the present. We want something that tastes good now. I want it now. But it affects us in a very negative way in the long run. And that's where Moses is. We don't need to just focus on the present. We need to have eternity in mind. Faith is that very same thing. It looks way out in the future, and it trusts God that by doing the right thing now, we will have incredible benefits later. Instead of sinning and enjoying the pleasures of sin in this world that it offers us every day, instead of enjoying that for just a short time, faith says, no, I'm going to obey God. I'm going to trust Him for my future, even though I can't see God, and even though I can't see my future, I'm going to do what He tells me to do. I'm going to obey Him. And I'll do it because it's the best. And yeah, it might not be fun right now. It might be hard. But it will please God. Moses was looking way into the future by choosing what he did. Look at what it says there. It says he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than what? The treasures of Egypt. Do you see what that's saying? It says that he would rather have the disgrace of Christ than the treasures of Egypt. He would rather go through being disgraced by all the people on the sake of Christ than take all the gold and silver and everything from Egypt. Why? Because he was looking ahead to a greater reward. One that would last forever. And guys, I just want to encourage everyone in this room today, boys and girls, little boys and girls, teenagers, adults, whatever, I want you to listen to this. You may not pay attention to this, but this world right now, from every single angle, is trying to push down your throat, wherever you turn, that you need to fulfill every single desire you have. We're told that if we want it, then get it. If it feels good, then do it. If it's fun, then just keep doing it. As long as it's fun, just keep doing it. We're being told to fill every selfish desire we can. If your marriage isn't working, get a new one. If your coworker drives you nuts, quit your job. I mean, whatever you want, you need to go ahead and take it. Why? Here's what we're told. Because you deserve it. You ever watch commercials on TV? You deserve a pizza. You deserve a Whopper. You deserve a car. You deserve this sale. Live life to the fullest. You have one life, so do what you want with it. But guys, I want to warn you, if you choose to live for these temporary things, in the end, you will miss out. They are short-lived. 
In the end, you will find out that these things do not satisfy. They will not produce life. They'll produce death. And that's not a life of faith. And so guys, like Moses, let's be willing to say no to the things this world constantly is offering us. Amen? Yeah, it might be fun. It might be entertaining. It might be whatever. But the pleasures of sin last only for a short time. So make sure that you're focusing on your unseen God and on the future that He promises you when you choose to obey Him. And then, let's obey Him. Okay? Young kids, adults, let's obey our unseen God. Amen? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank You for this little tiny story that's just hidden in Scripture, but we can learn something from it. Thank You for Moses, who is just an incredible example. If he had chosen Egypt, we would not be talking about him today, but he chose you instead. God, I pray for every young person and old person in this room today. I pray that we might become men and women who focus on you and have eternity on mind. May we not just settle for the the present pleasures of this world, but may we look at eternity and the reward that is going to last forever and ever and ever. So I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus.